welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas can certainly change markets, but more importantly, they can change the world. Talking about ideas, um, it's one thing to have one. It's another thing to make them actionable. And of course, one of the key themes of the great conversation is what, where are the leaders? And where are the leadership cultures that make those things happen in the world that we're creating? Uh, we found a gentleman who has been around leadership his entire career. Um, he's helped teams not only identify talent, but then keep that talent through uh, leadership development programs and organizational culture development. He's a gentleman that's established those world-class cultures for some of the biggest high-tech companies. He's currently uh, an internal consultant with the University, University of Washington's Total Talent Management team, where um, they, at the end of the, their great conversation, identified him as somebody I should talk to. Uh, he also is the co-founder of Fine Mino, and we'll be asking him a little bit more what that is, but let's get into his head a little bit and uh, introduce you to Jeffrey Lino Weaver. Jeff, nice having you. Hey, thank you for having me. I I'm looking forward to a great conversation. <laughs> and, it will and, and, and Jeff, I am absolutely confounded. I've talked to a lot of people in the leadership arena and, and the, they attack it in many different ways. But one thing is for certain, this idea of individuals like you and me growing up, entering the workforce with desires, with dreams, with needs, have to somehow learn the magic of we in a concerted organizational culture, a concerted one, meaning totally focused on a goal or a purpose outside of them. So they go from wanting dreams and desires to an organization that hopefully sustains a purpose and a mission that captivates them. And, uh, and, and Jeff, you and I've talked for a little bit. You reminded me that inside this elusive term called culture is a term called cult. So in many aspects, people getting religion. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your journey and understanding this journey from the me to the we. Um, well, thank you, Ron. I um, yes, me to the we. It's a it is a such an interesting time, and I, I would say just you know personally. So I was a uh, born in Colombia, uh, South America, and um, I'm also American and I have always grown up with a sense of fate and destiny as it relates to that. My parents were uh, actors uh, teaching at uh, the University de los Andes in, in Bogota. Um, but by way of my own fate and destiny of um, coming to the United States, I, I was internationally adopted when that wasn't a term. And uh, by way of that, in relation to um, those beginnings, uh, I have 
live kind of like, how do we practice telling our story and who we are? Of course, establishing who, the who am I, right? And that tension of sitting between uh, being authored by others or being or authoring ourselves. And in that process of that we all go through in terms of uh, learning to tell ourselves and learning to understand who we are. Uh, in my case, it was trying to understand who I was by way of a multiplicity of different factors of kind of, um, sometimes they call it being uh, liminal or in the in-between where I was both Colombian and American, um, both uh, belonging and not belonging in a lot of ways. And of course, uh, it, there's a lot of stigma around orphaning and adopting and any of those things that, um, but I always kind of looked at to the great stories and saw that, you know, a lot of the heroes were orphans who became something. And so I, I really kind of believed in this idea of practicing destiny and, uh, and how do we practice our destiny over kind of the years of, you know, navigating different worlds, whether it's cross-cultural and kind of a Colombian American way or the other ways I've mentioned. Um, but just the people who we become, introvert versus extrovert, there are always kind of these different types of dynamics that we're all navigating. Who am I? What am I about? What am I doing? How do I belong? How do I find understanding? How do I find meaning? Which is kind of a, a core aspect of finding Mino is a play on finding meaning, but also finding Nemo, which is archetypal of uh, the hero's journey of, you know, leaving school and swimming on into the world to find your own way in the world. And uh, so the meat of the we is interesting because we live in a world where there can't be just one hero. And yet we need to find what's heroic within ourselves and understand who we are. And I, I believe that, you know, um, in general, I think we're all secretly trying to save our own life and that we can only save ourselves by perceiving the story that's seated within us, that's been trying to unfold us, uh, unfold through us throughout our lives. And, um, and I think the conflicts we carry, the transformation that we want, um, and the dilemmas we face form the, the threshold we must cross in order for something essential inside us to become conscious to us and thereby move our story forward and water that little seedling of self and our personal story forward to practice our destiny. Now, um, the problem with the we and the me is oftentimes we get caught, so caught up in our inner story that it's kind of my story versus your story and my heroic um, aspects versus yours. And oftentimes in organizations like nonprofits, um, people war against one another, um, you know, to be who could be the great savior. Or I, 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 was, um, I was telling you earlier that I, um, I live on a small island and there was a parade, 4th of July parade. And um, one year, two, two, two groups of highly intelligent people all found out that there have been two groups created to save the same park, you know, and they found out about each other in, in the parade and started sniping at each other. Cause I was, a uh, I was in the group behind them with my daughter's roller hockey. And, uh, <laughs> but it was like, there can be only one. 
and there's kind of this hero logic that gets in the way. So that's a problem with this me. There can only be one savior. That kind of, of course, that idea of power and who's the hero and who's the savior gets into a lot of aspects of diversity, equity, inclusion, and kind of um, but th those issues along with other power issues. But to strip that away, just talk about people and power and meaning. Um, in America, we have been influenced by this manifest destiny culture of the me, and we just don't know how to do we. So that, that kind of cult of culture is this kind of the over emphasis on the I, and we don't know how to practice the we. And so I have done a lot of work um, in addition to my corporate work, um, a lot of work in sustainability and working with diverse communities. And I'm a permaculture designer and we teach that at um, Antioch and also at, um, uh, at, at our Eco Village, O-U-R, Eco Village uh, north of uh, Victoria. It's been around for over 20 years and uh, we've done a lot of really interesting programming on kind of humans and the environment and how we, how we kind of work to live together. And uh, one of the jokes about OUR or our eco village is that it really stands for one united resource. But when you get there uh, and you have a meal, um, everybody's, um, you know, everybody's uh, expected to wash their own dishes. And of course, once you say it's our, you're implicated in being a part of it. And uh, which, which throws people, right? Well, you're, uh, but you know, how do you participate? How do you develop that social capital and that social sinew? And, uh, and, and through that, through this experience of many years of seeing people come into kind of permaculture, eco-village, we're gonna learn about how to do we, and the ways in which people start warring because they've been so focused on me, it also turns out they're often North American. And there are a lot of really interesting, Columbia is another part of it, different family systems, different, different family approaches. So um, different ways of working and organizing um, that really uh, stand as kind of a, a dojo for people who are in the me world. Um, and you know, there are a lot of ways to kind of do that kind of creative whack pack of the mind to kind of get people to go through that uncomfortable aspect of doing we together, like a daily check-in, all these other things. But it, it's so much more than that because at the end of the day, coming back to our own individual me story and the seed of life that we're trying, the seed of this destiny that we all know we have, like what's my story and what am I becoming? We have to be able to reconcile that with the organizations and the communities we're in. And so I come back to this question, which is bringing us back to the we and, and uh, is what are we making together? Not what's the problem, not even what's the solution. It's what are we making together? Everything we're doing as a collective is doing something. A conversation is something that's developed over time. It's, it's a we. And every turn in the conversation, uh, although I feel like I'm monologuing right now, but you know, every turn in the conversation um, builds upon itself. And every turn has the potential for new outcomes as well as bad habits, as uh, well as kind of oppressive uh, uh, scripts and everything else. But... Um, 
but what I think it is, you know, there, there are kind of these old ideas around self and personal destiny. And uh, I wrote about this in, in my book called uh, Storytelling for Sustainability. Um, but there, it used to be that we would look at, at the world as um, a kind of folk myths and kind of in an archetypal way many different levels of uh, meaning making that we're all really trying to capture at the same time. And so we have our personal level, but then we have kind of a middle level, which is kind of an organizational and social. And that type of meaning also happens. And then you have a great kind of um, uh, cosmological level and kind of an earth level. And um, so, Sometimes it, it, there, there's a term coined called the sacred canopy in the homeless mind. But now we're in, in, we're in a, a space where we have more homeless minds. We don't have a connection. We're, we're looking for new stories. And more and more organizations have kind of supplanted this kind of this, this place of what religion or great belief systems or great connectedness to the, the awe that we're living in right? Let's just stop there. We live in mystery. And the way to get we is to somehow get people connected to that mystery inside them. They don't have to, sh you don't have to share it with everyone. Some people find that through religion. Some people find it through other things. But at the organizational level, if the organizations are going to take the mantle of these kind of sacred canopy to provide all the answers, the kind of our brand name Will, will protect us, it's, it's not working. And so part of the, the, the trick is how do you give everyone an opportunity to find meaning in which they feel aligned in their own personal work, their personal self, that they're doing that with meaningful work, with right intent. They're at an organization that respects that and the, and the systems, the interconnected systems of that and connected to this greater than, this mystery, this awe in which we're all enmeshed. And permaculture, eco-village, corporate social responsibility um, have all been uh, areas in which I've applied this because people are desperate to find meaning. I've taught at the University of Washington as well at the um, teaching international business and sustainability and storytelling and you know, no kid wants to, when I would say, who wants to join a company that's going to ruin the world or be with, you know, a, an oppressive dictator of a, of, a, of a leader? You know, nobody raises their hand to that. They want meaning. I, I tell you, that, that age group, that undergraduate age group, is they're the best. It totally surprised me. But they have kind of a F y'all attitude. And they're reaching for the stars and they haven't hit that, you know, they're, they're willing to kind of prototype their ideas. And, um, but there's that, um, they're more connected to the mystery. They're more connected to that sense of like, here's my, you know, I haven't hit, I haven't hit the trail yet fully. I'm still working on it, but I know I'm kind of going to, my seedling of my story is, is beginning. And um, so we're at this space, you know, where we're shifting this to kind of a we, but, Organizations that just make it about one person or imposing a rule and killing the planet or not hitting diversity, it, it, it's this balance, right? I've been monologuing, sorry. <laughs> oh, well, um, Jeff, you, you inspired something. 
a moment ago. Let, let's see if we can pull this all together. A moment ago, you said quite clearly that there's a seed inside us. The seed has to be nurtured, but it's the seed of our legacy or the seed of our story. It's the hero's journey, okay? What my ask is this, do you believe within that seed is the seed of self and tribe and awe? Is the seed by nature contain all three of those? By nature, not by nurture. Yes, I do. I, I do. I, I think we, we've just gone through an amnesia. I, I often say, hi, I'm Jeff, and I'm recovering from civilization. You know, it, it's a line I've used, really, for permaculture and whatnot. But the pandemic was nothing in comparison to what's out there with overpopulation, with all, all the stuff. I mean, of course, there could be even worse pandemics, but oh my goodness, it's sobering. And doing all this work in sustainability and whatnot uh, has been eye-opening. And I tell you what, teaching permaculture, one of the things that um, really uh, was an interesting uh, just uh, pattern or something that shows that has shown up, and that is, People are divorced from the land. They're divorced from living in this world. They feel there's a there's a wound, and there's a real shame that rightly or wrong, you know, there's there it's it's something that's internalized. And uh, in doing you know working at the Eco Village or uh, in my classes um, at the university where I was teaching permaculture design, uh, people felt like they if they didn't buy land they couldn't. Um, participate. So even that idea of owning land, right, which is strange enough, considering, you know, we're in the Washington area and Chief Seattle, you know, you know, how can you buy or sell the sky? This idea is strange to us. And I, and I recognize it's, you know, that's been paraphrased a bit, but none the, nonetheless, there, there have been many humans and human civilizations that have, who have also been equally bloodthirsty with one another sometimes, you know, like the, the, the Apache. I'm not saying that I don't want to, you know, humans are humans, but their connection to the land, their reverence for the land, that awe, like there's a range in, in Southern Colorado um, that's so sacred that all these different warring um, tribes would set down their, you know, set down their spears and other ways in which they were uh, in conflict in vision quests together because they all recognized that the land and where that was was so special that they could do that and they would bond and then they would leave. But uh, I, I, honestly, I, I believe if uh, we're at this fourth industrial revolution and I think some of it's gonna be all in tech and I think the other part's going to be in how people reclaim their connection back to the land and, and community and with one another. The, the difference is and the challenge is, do we do it versus kind of jihad or versus McWorld? You know, there's that, that, that book on that same title, but it, you know, we, if, we, if we do the me as a group, then it's more of, you know, you know us and them.
Um, but how you globalize, how you do the we is it's that dance. And so how we help people kind of, how we develop leaders to develop that muscle of relationship intelligence and cultural intelligence while also owning their own personal development and understanding that their story matters, but, um, you know, enforcing that's a different story. What I'm taking away from this conversation and it's kind of an aha for me is there has to be someone to take up the righteous battle of helping individuals go from me to we. There has to be organizations willing to take up that mantle and possibly the profit motive if with everything else being disrupted like you're articulating. Possibly the definition of the profit model will be determined by those who do that best, who, you know, as we come back to my original question, based on you dividing culture up between cult and ur, uh, <laughs> right? That there, there could be a new discipline, a corporate practice of um, leveraging the hero's journey in every one of their people. Exactly. Exactly. And, and finding meaning in that and also finding um, kind of the honorific that people give to one another about, about being part of be a part of something. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think that kind of governance systems are where it's going to be like hierarchies are going to die. Um, are you familiar with the concept of the starfish versus the spider? Uh, no, I'm not. There's a well, there, it's an old book now called starfish versus the spider but it was it was built on this idea that when the internet was being pitched by venture capitalists nobody would really understand or believe them at the time about this worldwide connected you know interconnected group of uh, computers and servers and all this other stuff and so to sell the idea that um, they had to tell people that they were the president of the internet and kind of like give titles to this right we and we laugh at it now but it was the only way they could actually kind of do that cross-cultural dance to inspire believability, which says something in and of itself. But the, the concept of the starfish and the spider and kind of the premise of the book was that um, so many organizations are top-down that if like a spider, like if you pulled off all its like legs and things like that, it might, you know, it might survive or may, might not. But if you took the head off, the spider's done for. Um, and, uh, but if you had a starfish, there is no head and there, if you cut off an arm, it will grow back. And so there's this dance between uh, this. Yeah. I mean, you could even think of it like a, a cross. We we're so used to up and down and we try to connect more and more with one another by way of an up and down model, but people don't connect up and down. They connect horizontally. They connect through passions, ideas, um, greater purpose, um, and, uh, and they're driven by uh, what some people, I, I think more of like this deep democracy. And, and by that, it's a, it's a way of um, recognizing that, you know, spirits still speaking, ancestors are, are still speaking with us. The history is still here. We're, we, we, sometimes people are talking to you and they're channeling more of kind of the, uh, the history of their people, even though they don't know it, right. but they're speaking from that level. And, or they're speaking from, yeah, I mean, all these different levels, uh, but we, that deep democracy, that connectedness to, I think that, that ancestor level or the earth level and that awe level, um, 
I, I think is is going to permeate, and I and I and I think this this um, this current generation, particularly with COVID, I'm I'm really curious. But I I think in this fourth industrial or fourth revolution, it'll be more than industrial. Um, we're going to have to do it. We we have to invent our way out of it, and we can't be um, kind of that's it's like Earth versus Empire, and we. Or if we kind of apply empire systems on everything, it just becomes a last last person standing on top of the heap for resources versus a an earth approach, a way of how we share, how we live with together. I would love at some point, Jeff, to grab the next generation with you, somebody you would identify, a fourth uh, a fourth generation uh, revolution kid I'll say kid because I'm sure it's much younger than me but not a kid but an adult who who represents that generation and really talk through how that they see that and how they're going to navigate through it and then I'd love to take our generation someone who's changed who's been able to see it through maybe your practices your training your involvement with them I'd love to get them on the line with you one of these days too, but this has been a great conversation with Jeff um, Leinard Weaver. And I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, it's been very enjoyable and I have enjoyed the monologue. <laughs> I sat back and listened as well as the others who will be listening to this as well. So deeply grateful, Jeff. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. 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 Yeah.